friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This. It's Tim and Friends for Monday, July 19, 2021, episode number 96 of the new gig. Would love to know what you think so far. Hit us up at Tim and Friends. In fact, hit us up anytime, 24-7, at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Another jam-packed show for a Monday as a new PGA superstar is emerging. Chris Paul up against it, and Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses are not lost on the Greek freak as he stands one win away from immortality. All that. And do the Jays have that 2015 feeling? Starting in and around this 2021 team? Playing good near perfect weekend has started that magical feeling again in some of the bellies of Blue Jays fans across this country. We'll take a closer look at that and look at a remarkably important three-game set with the Red Sox starting tonight. That seems to be the story of the day. Well, that, of course, in the NHL silly season, which has officially begun. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff here with you. Which story do you think, Jesse, has more folks talking? Mm. The Jays or trying to make sense of the NHL's expansion draft and some of the names left Unprotected, like I don't know, like maybe Carey Price. Yeah, it's not a big name or anything. I, I believe that there are more people concerned about the expansion draft just because of the immediacy of it. It's yes. coming up soon. People want to figure out what hey, the heck's going on. It's an important three-game set with the yeah. Red Sox. Yeah. Well, the Jays ain't going nowhere. Okay. They are not going anywhere. Okay. And they're going to be around for a while. And we have a lot of time to talk about the Jays. So I think uh, maybe an explainer is in order for the expansion draft. Okay, we're going to get there, and I also want to put it on the poll. See yeah. what people think. Uh, What are you looking forward to or what's the bigger story, Uh, the expansion draft or the Blue Jays? Because I know there's a lot of Blue Jays fever after the weekend series against the Rangers, right? So as you mentioned, explainer, maybe I know some folks are a little confused as to what the hell all these lists that are out there mean and who will end up in Seattle and why are there so many big names available? Here's the Twitter version, used to be known as the Coles Notes version, but that's old school like my head. The flat cap has caused some chaos here, and because of it, there are some tough decisions being made by GMs who might not mind a bad contract off their hands or have put an intriguing name with some question marks out there daring the Kraken to bite, which is why Carey Price is available and so bloody interesting because he represents all of that. Mark Bergevin has carefully orchestrated the past week in the media. First, news broke that Shea Weber is so hurt that this could be the end of his career. No confirmation, of course, just news. Then came word that Carey Price might be left unprotected too. Imagine, if you will, my friends, a world where the Habs could return to play next season after their inspired run to the Cup Without Carey Price and Shea Weber, Weber to the injury, Price to the expansion draft. Well, many thought that the 44 or so million remaining over four years on a 34-year-old goalie with a history injuries would be enough to keep Seattle away. 
And just when it seemed like the Kraken may be itching to strike to pick the face of a franchise who, like Price, is, I don't know, not only grew up in the Pacific Northwest, albeit significantly more north than Seattle, not only played his junior hockey about three hours down the road in Tri-City, but whose wife is from Washington State. All that begins percolating. And just when it seemed like maybe this could happen with Seattle, hold up. Here comes news. Price may need surgery to his hips and knees. Which one? Not sure. Hips and knees. Dealing with multiple issues that could keep him out well into the start of next season. This is too good. And what it really is, for those wondering what the hell all this means, it's Mark Bergevin playing chicken with the goalie who just carried his club to the cup final. The hot takes began to pile up quicker than you can say Bunny LaRock. But herein lies the dilemma. Seattle is supposed to get a clear medical picture on all players exposed. But because Montreal's season ended so close to the draft, because we're in this whole global pandemic thing, there's some gray area here. Apparently, the Kraken were asking for something like a first and a third to leave your guy alone. In Montreal, who needs Jake Allen to spell price, even if he is healthy? That number may have been a second-round pick and a prospect. We'll talk to Eric Engels and figure out what it is. So after all that, do you take price if you're Seattle? It's on our Twitter account right now. Hit us up with your hot take. I don't even care if it's video. If it's good, we will put it on. Here's what I say. Even if you take Price and his $10.5 million cap and he's injured, he just goes on to LTIR and you save that money on the cap anyway. Just think of the jersey sales, the quality human being that you are getting and all he represents in and around the game. It's the perfect face of the franchise. And all you need to do, if you're Ron Francis, GM, Seattle Kraken, is figure out, are you getting the goalie who carried Montreal to the cup final or the one that posted a 9-0-1 save percentage in the last year and over the last four seasons ranks 29th among goalies with at least 100 games played at a 9-0-9 save percentage? By the way, that's tied with Jake Allen. Mark Bergevin isn't the only one playing chicken. So is Ron Francis. Does he still... Want something to stay away? I think that's what's going on here. I think that he wants more from Montreal, and you've got two GMs butting heads. Or would he actually take Price, who, from what I'm hearing, wants to stay? Man, this is good. Imagine the Habs in that division, the Atlantic division, as tough as it is, no Price, no Weber, man. Two weeks ago, that seemed crazier than a soup sandwich. Yet 14 days later, here we are. Eric Angles, Kevin Weeks, both on the releasing of the Kraken. Danny Showman on the Boys of Summer and a big couple weeks here. And Mark Spears on the NBA Finals. The Greeks are known for their philosophers. Should we add a tentacompo to the greats? Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, and a tentacompo. That's all coming up, but first things first, my philosopher of choice, Biggie and Jesse.
first things first. first. That is an expansion explainer. <laughs> I hope so. It's confusing, and I understand. Like, my dad came over this morning, yeah. 83 years old, loves his hockey, and just said, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> insane. It is insane, like, and the name's the out lists. there. Yeah, filtering through the list of all the teams. It's like, wow, there's a billion players available. That's, How do you make a decision? Twitter is a cesspool of nonsense 85% of the time. Then there is an expansion draft, and CJ and Elliot start tweeting, and you're just like, okay, please make sense of this for me. Yeah. Who's protected? Who isn't protected? <laughs> Who's available? That's all I did on Sunday morning. Oh, uh, for sure. Go Have through not- other people's lists of who is unprotected. Yeah. I mean, Ron Francis said that salary is the most important thing, staying under the salary cap, obviously. And with Carey Price, it's a, it's a huge number. So it's going to be sort of counterintuitive to what he was talking about with salary cap being so important if you end up devoting $14 million to your goaltending. You so, could also trade him. You could also trade him. So there's many avenues to go, but it's intriguing and it's fun. Expansion's always interesting. Gives us lots of fodder to talk about. So, What would Montreal do if they lost Carey Price for nothing? Would would sensible fans weigh in and say, well, that clears up a lot of cap space and we could do things with that? Or are they just remarkably pissed that Carey Price is gone? Sebi? <laughs> Sebi's our uh, resident to defer to the Habs He's just here. shaking his head. Yeah, he's, but that's crazy. Yeah. I, I looked at him while you were giving your, your Carey Price monologue, and he just didn't look happy. He didn't look happy. <laughs> because losing Carey Price after what he just gave you would be a blow any way you want to slice it. That would be tough. And that's what a game of chicken is. Yeah. Where you're, you're scared poopless of the ramifications on – and hopefully you escape <laughs> without yeah. being scathed. It was it was going to be exciting, but now that Carey Price's name is out there, it's even elevated that much more. Uh, let me just say this again. I hope Shea Weber uh, spends the entire year on the LTIR, and when the Habs make the playoffs, I hope he plays in the postseason. Yeah, no doubt. Like if, if he's hurt that bad, and this is indeed the story where – and part of me wonders if this is just PR so that no one selects him mm-hmm. in the expansion draft. But if, I mean, he's a warrior, he plays tough, it wouldn't surprise me if he's that hurt. I hope he takes the entire year off and they pull a Tampa on Tampa and meet him in the first round. For sure. And you saw the, the megaphone that was just They could, Atlantic Division, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. They could meet him in the of first course. round. That'd be amazing. Kucherov is still trolling people, writing uh, $18 million over the cap on every piece of merchandise that he's wearing these days. Uh, you saw the megaphone poll right there, just about 50-50. So you gave the explainer on the expansion draft. And now, Timmy, we begin first things first with the Blue Jays. All right who, after finding out on Friday that they're coming home, the good vibes continued because they rolled through the Texas Rangers, outscoring them 25-2 to and sweeping the three-game series. They went home a lot, 25 times, yeah. Goodness, (laughs) Vladdy Guerrero Jr. staying hot with another three home runs. He now has 31 on the season, while the pitching complementing all that hitting with some strong performances on the mound. Sure, it's the Rangers, but could this be the pick-me-up this team needed to gear up for a playoff run. They are only six games back of the division, two and a half games back of the wild card. You took my first caveat, oh, which was, no, it's fine, which was, it's the Rangers. Yeah. But you beat the team in front of you, and they beat them to a pulp. Like, 25-2, to two, if you had have looked for the perfect series from Toronto, 
that was it. This is what we've been saying, right? We've like every time they beat the Orioles, the Rangers, we can't just keep saying, "Oh, they're beating crappy teams." That's what they're supposed to be yeah, doing, and that's what good teams do, right? That's exactly what they're supposed to do. That's what they did, and they did it handily and convincingly over the weekend. Twenty-five runs to two. This series right here, Boston, will tell you a lot about this squad. But I will say this: I, I firmly believe in feel good, play good. And I don't think there's any coincidence they went out and did what they did over the weekend after the news that they were coming home to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that might think that that's hype or hyperbole or whatever you want to call it. I firmly believe that the Toronto Blue Jays were happy to hear that they're coming home. And I think that you saw in the results from every other team in Canada who struggled mightily to play without a home. The Blue Jays have this magical 2015 feel right now to me where you could really see them. Like, just imagine the pitchers on July 30th. The I'm big on the pregame opening. Mm -hmm. Imagine the pregame opening and the pitchers you will see and I'm not talking about hurlers. I'm talking about the pictures of what the Jays have gone through over the past 600 and something days that it's taken them to play home games. Man, this could be one of those runs, those magical runs for the ages. And I know that and I understand it because I think that's exactly what the Jays are preaching to their team. Mark Shapiro over the weekend, this I don't believe that this slipped out of his mouth. I think everything Mark Shapiro says is very calculated, and this was another piece of them. Here's, the, here's Mark Shapiro from this weekend. From a human nature spec perspective, I'm not going to lie that, you know, thinking about ending this story, you know, with an October that we all remember is would be the ultimate. You know, how incredible would it be to think about the journey that we've experienced, you know, the uncertainty of last season, playing a 60-game season in Buffalo, playing in three different homes, you know, for this season, uh, and finally getting back to the place that we all believe in, care about, and feel a bond and tie to. To end that with winning the last game, you know, would be maybe one of the greatest baseball stories ever written. So, um, yeah, that that's certainly the story I'd like to be a part of. And I think the story that many Jays fans would like to be a for part sure. of as sure. well. Last time they played at home, Clay Buckholt started for the Toronto Blue Jays. That so tells that, you everything you need to know about how long it's been. <laughs> yeah, that tells you how long it's been and how far they have come. So hopefully we'll see uh, maybe a couple additions, which also yeah. slipped out of the mouth of Mark Shapiro, uh, that they may be looking to add to this team. And they get pitching, as I have said, this entire year. And this is a really good team. Yeah, we've seen that. And uh, their next opponent, the Red Sox, obviously the division leaders, but they have lost three straight series. So maybe a little bit of a window there for the Jays to creep a little bit closer. Alec Manoa, uh, this is a little bit of bad news, uh, slipping on stairs in Buffalo, and he will miss a start. So I I feel like 
in this corner. I feel like this is the bad news Jay's corner because I'm always the one breaking the bad injury news. I could have done, done that one. I yeah. knew that one. If you wanna, <laughs> but it's always if you want to pass it off. Let me know. It's just uh, looks like it's just one start for now. So hopefully uh, Manoa will be. They're okay. hoping it's one yeah, start. Hopefully they're so. hoping it's one start. Yeah. But he tweaked something in his back apparently. Yeah. Um, we'll have Dan Showman a little bit later on in the show talk more Blue Jays because it's getting exciting. It's getting super fun. You talked about the pitching. They can get the pitching. We know the offense is good. Yeah, that's why that Ryu start was big for me. Oh, huge. Uh, okay. You want to go to basketball? Because the Milwaukee Bucks are one win away mm-hmm. from winning the NBA title, their first NBA title in 50 years. They beat the Suns in Phoenix on Saturday, 123-119 to take a 3-2 series lead. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday combining for 88 points in the win, which is the first by a road team in the series. So can the Suns pick up a road win and take this to seven? Or are we looking at crowning Giannis Antetokounmpo, two-time MVP, as NBA champion? It looks like it. It looks like the Bucks have seized control of the series. And when you win three straight in a series, uh, oftentimes that's the way it looks. However, if the NBA season has taught us anything, it is when you think that you have a grasp on what's going on, stop thinking that because the opposite will happen. I do know this. There, the pressure south of the border on Chris Paul once again is ratcheted up oh, yeah. to around 11. And it's because this is the fourth time that he has had a 2 nothing series lead. No one has ever lost four 2 nothing series leads in the NBA playoffs. And Chris Paul could be on the verge of that. And the only other person to do it three times was his teammate, Blake Griffin, in L.A. So... There is another, I've said this now twice already, and Mm -hmm. I'm saying this for a third time, there is an extreme amount of pressure on Chris Paul to help this Suns team get past this game six, and then game seven's your coin flip. But um, Paul's done it before. We've seen it happen before. And I thought the Bucs would win game five with their defense. Wasn't really that. It wasn't the Suns got their game yeah. and lost. It was a crazy second quarter for the yeah. Bucs. Like, Suns were up 16 after one, and then the Bucs just turned the lights out. They, it, what was incredible was they almost set the record for best shooting percentage in a game uh, in finals history. They were that close. Like, they were pretty good, knocking everything down. You mentioned uh, the pressure on Paul. Every Suns starter except Chris Paul has a positive plus minus. The number's not too bad last game, but... He's got to find a next level because the guys on the Bucks right now have found that next level that we were talking about yep. last week. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. There's two plays for me that stick out in my mind when I think of this NBA final so far. Number one, obviously, is the honest block yes. that we discussed. But the second one was that play with the Bucks up one. They steal with 30 sec- or 20 alley-oop. seconds left in the game. The alley-oop. And Drew Holiday, once again, putting his fingerprints all over this game defensively. Right. That's why they brought him over. That's why they paid such a steep price for him. And it's a steal right here. Huge. That's the game right there. Steal and then the alley-oop. And everyone saw that picture of uh, LeBron looking at the alley-oop in awe courtside. So the momentum is with the Bucks right now. But we need uh, Chris Paul to, to step up if this game's, if the series is going to go a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, Giannis obviously having an awesome finals. Coming off injury. Spoke about or spoke before game five about what it's like to be a superstar while balancing ego. And his answer left people quite impressed. He's just 26 years old, two-time MVP. You got to listen to this answer. From my experience, right? Like when I think about like, oh yeah, I did this. I, 
you know, I'm so great. I had uh, 30, I had 25, 10 and 10, or whatever the case might be. Because you're going to think about that. Oh, we want this, that. Usually the next day, you're going to suck. Right. You know, uh, simple as that. You Like, the next few days, you're going to be terrible. And I uh, figured out, like, a mindset to have that, like, when you focus on the past, that's your ego. I did this. You know, um, we were able to, you know, um, beat this team for all. We, we did. I did this in the past. I want that in the past. Mm. And when I focus in the future, it's my pride. Like, yeah, next game, game five, I do this and this and this. Right. You know, I'm going down. That's your pride talking. Like, you, it doesn't happen. Like, you're right here. And um, I kind of like try to focus in the, you know, in the moment, in the present. And that's humility. That's being humble. That's not setting no expectation. That's going out there enjoying the game, competing at a high level. And uh, I think I've had people throughout my life that helped me with that. But that's a skill that I've tried to like, kind of, um, um, I say, kind of like perfect it. Master. Uh, yeah, master it. And uh, it's been working so far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not gonna stop. When you focus on your past, that's your ego. When you focus on your future, that's your pride. When you are focused on the present, that's humility. Love seeing that from a superstar. Timmy, you dabble in philosophy. You like your quotes. Yes. Where does that one rank for you among, when, among athlete quotes? From athletes? Yeah. Like, I just, I wonder where he got that from, because it does sound like a philosopher oh, yeah. from 400 B.C., quoted it and he grew up in greek school maybe learning about stoic philosophers or something <laughs> yeah. of the sort and regurgitated sure. that in the moment but For if sure. it's just him top of dome piece yeah, that crazy. might be the great i mean Shaq was once asked if he visited the acropolis well in greece and he Big said Aristotle. I, I don't know which clubs we went to so i think maybe <laughs> maybe Giannis will be up there for us. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing quote. And you think that's his second language. English is his second language, too. Just to be that articulate and that intelligent, it's, it's amazing. It's an incredible quote. Um, all right, let's go and, to golf. And, and can, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I know we want to yeah. get a little, yeah. But very, very true when it comes to athletes. Yeah. Like, remarkably true when it comes to athletes. And most of them will look forward to what they're going to do or look past and say, look at my resume. It, it's... And living in the moment, like if anything the last two years have mm -hmm. taught me, it's just to live in the moment and to get a superstar who's not saying, look at this or look what I'm going to do just to live in the moment, I think that's really valuable. Yeah. And it speaks to why he's still with the Bucks yeah. and not with the Lakers or not chasing down titles in other spots. It speaks to the man. No and we should kind of celebrate that these days. Yeah, it resonates with everybody, not yeah. just athletes. Uh, all right, let's go to golf. Historic weekend for Colin Morikawa playing in his first ever Open Championship. Morikawa finished Sunday with a bogey-free 4-under, 66, to beat Jordan Spieth by two, two strokes, grabbing his second major in only eight attempts. With his win at Royal St. George's, Morikawa is the first player in the history of the sport to win two different majors on his first attempt. And his 265 total was one stroke shy of the 72-hole tournament scoring record. Just a few stats for Mr. Morikawa on this week. Uh, we've seen many flirt with the dominance that Tiger had for so long. Seems like we do this whenever a young player wins a major, but is Morikawa the next one in golf? This is more than a major. This is two majors in his first shot at them. Mm -hmm. And playing one round of Lynx golf. And I mean, listen... 
Um, it was a beautiful day yesterday at Royal St. George's. It wasn't as if it was playing was wind, yeah. rain, and he had to play these low drives or low um, irons into greens. He didn't have to play that length mm -hmm. style to close it out, but he was way better than everybody else. Oh, 100%. And he was way better than everybody else most of the year in greens. This guy's ball striking is so good that I am prepared to say that he's the next one. Here's two stats that would suggest to me, and I don't say next one is in Tiger. What Tiger did is ridiculous. Stop comparing people to Tiger. But if you're looking for the next big name, he becomes the first, the fastest player to reach two major championships since 1934. Okay? That's ridiculous. Long time, Tiger's yeah. included in that. Mm -hmm. And the only to win multiple majors before turning 25. By the way, I talked to Eric Engels earlier today. We're going to talk to him a little later mm -hmm. on today. He got six of these seven. Gene Sarazen, Bobby Jones, Jack Nicholas, Seve Ballesteros, Tiger Woods, Rory McElroy, and Jordan Spieth. Decent so the, company. That's amazing company. That's Hall of Fame company, mm -hmm. each and every one of them. And for me, I said that Spieth was going to be that next one because he was so good. Things can change. Spieth has had, he's lost it. He got it back. He kind of lost it. Things can happen. But Morikawa has the talent to be among the great, like a Hall of Fame type yeah. golfer. Yeah. And the, he might already be there. Yeah considering he's got two at this age. Yeah, the ball striking is elite. The putting has been his Achilles heel throughout his career. He's 124th on putting coming mm -hmm. into this week. And when he putts average, he can win. He he's, already, he's already won five Shit. times on tour in 50 starts. <laughs> yeah. And this week, he was the best in the tournament at putting. So you do that in addition to how good he is at ball striking. He's going to win many tournaments yeah, like that. And when, and when you strike the ball as well as he does, yes. you're going to be in the hunt. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> All right, coming up, Dan Schillman talking Jays after a pretty perfect weekend for the team as they prepare to come home. Mark Spears of the NBA Finals. The Bucks are one win away from glory. Angles, as mentioned, on the Habs' decision to leave Carey Price unprotected and up next with the lists in. And all eyes on the Kraken. And check in with Kevin Weeks from Seattle ahead of the expansion draft. Tim and friends, jam-packed Monday. Let's go. The Kraken were surprised that Carey Price was available. This is something that Seattle is, is taking very seriously. The Blue Jays are having some kind of fun right now. They are playing well, they are hitting well, and everybody's so excited for the Blue Jays to get back to Toronto. shouldn't be making maneuvers like that. It's uh, unacceptable. Hope Lewis is very happy with himself. This is Tim and Friends, Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, and uh, holy bleep, hockey continues to make headlines, even though the Stanley Cup final is over and done with. Tampa Bay Lightning, you are champs. Now, figureitout.com. Same with you, Montreal. We are in an interesting situation. Here to help us out is a man who left Canada only to conquer the United States of America. Uh, NHL Network, ESPN's new crew. Wherever you want him, you see him. He is Kevin Weeks, and he joins us now. What's up, Kev? How you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I, I'm, I'm really good, and I'm also staring at this list of goalies, looking at a goalie and thinking, 
my God, you must be salivating if you're the Seattle Kraken at the goalies that you could select here. Which of the names out there was most intriguing to you? Yeah, interestingly enough, I mean, Carey Price for me right off the hop. I'm here with my good buddy Dominic Moore from back home. Nice. And uh, he's doing some stuff with us on ESPN and, and obviously Sportsnet for the expansion draft. And the way I see it right now, I mean, Carey Price being on this list, we were talking about it on our walkover. We're still in disbelief that he was exposed. And when you look at the common denominators, like Carey Price played junior here in, in Washington State for Tri-City in the WHL. His wife's from here. He, he spends a lot of time in the offseason, not only in BC, but in Washington State here itself. I mean... I, I'm shocked that Montreal left him unprotected, to be honest with you. And I know they figured Jake Allen might have been uh, might have been selected. And Jake Allen had an amazing year, don't get me wrong. I've always been a big Jake Allen fan. And quite frankly, he was a big part of Carey Price and the team's success this year. But Carey Price is an ace. He, he's a unicorn. He's one of the very rare and rarest of the rare. And I really think in, in spending some time with some of the ownership and executive management team from, uh, from the Kraken here in Seattle at dinner last night, this is something that's intriguing to them. And I would say for him, number one, Carey Price would be target number one if I were them. And if they can't get him, I'd be looking at the great Jonathan Quick, too, uh, in L.A. Jonathan Quick only has two years left on his deal. And I think he'd be a huge ad in the event that they can't get Carey Price. Okay, I might be asking the wrong guy. So if you want to give the phone to Dom after this, how much can you spend <laughs> on goaltending? Because we got a report from Elliot Friedman that yeah. um, as we await Seattle's decision with Carey Price, word is the Kraken are closing in on Florida's Chris Dreger at three years, three and a half million. I don't believe that precludes them from selecting Price, but one goalie appears locked in. If that was the case and they're spending three and a half million on one goalie, can they spend ten and a half million? Like, can they lock in fourteen million on goalies? Can they? Sure. I mean, their their balance sheet, their salary caps at zero today. Yes. You know, that's something that they said to me yesterday, uh, and, and I that's a fact. Their salary caps at zero. So, can they do it? Theoretically, sure. Uh, will they do it? I don't know. But they do have incredible ownership under uh, Mr. Bonderman, and uh, and of course, you go through the rest of the group. Uh, I think they've got great ownership. Really, really good ownership. And you look at how positioned they are, how well capitalized they are. Jerry Bruckheimer, who's also a part of their ownership group, who I spent some time with, Todd Lywicki, uh, who's a part of it as well, who's their not only president and CEO, but he also has some ownership slice. And their ownership is committed to greatness. Like, Timmy, I got to tell you, listen, this team has spent over $2 billion already, this franchise, U.S. dollars, $2 billion. Wow. And the acquisition fee of the franchise, so the franchise fee, six fifty. You look at the cost of the arena with Oakview Group, yeah. led by uh, Tim Lewicki. That's over a billion dollars on the arena itself. The practice facility is going to be second to none in the league. That's already almost a hundred million. I mean, so to me, at this point, that that really speaks to what they're investing in the community, what they're investing in our sport, in our league, their staff, the players. And I got to think that goalie's pretty pretty important in that in that matrix. So <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising me if they went down this road with Carey Price. And or, as I said, potentially uh, Jonathan Quick in a in alongside Drieger to address the goaltending situation. And they have to take three goalies. So I'd be curious to see who the third one would be. Yeah, the the quick seems a little bit more palpable at, at five point eight million per season. Then you get that mm-hmm. Stanley Cup pedigree on your team. And we all Two saw cups. what happened with Vegas when they took Marc Andre Fleury like that yep. set the groundwork for a franchise to compete right away. When you're talking to Seattle, 
Is that their goal to be? Because I know, I mean, I'd heard, not I know, I had heard that Vegas's plan going in was we'll take as many assets as we possibly can, some on expiring deals, so that we can trade them at the deadline and then turn those into assets and picks. But they were good right away and then had to rethink what they were doing here. What's, what's the plan that you can grasp from Seattle? The biggest thing that I can discern from spending time with them, and, and remember their general manager I played with, the great Ron Francis in Carolina as well, uh, they're very cerebral. They're very clear on what their identity is as a franchise in terms of their franchise pillars. Uh, I would also say there's a lot of uh, analytical thought that goes into it. And the analytics isn't a, isn't a standalone department. It's not siloed. It's very integrated uh, into Ronnie and the whole team, hockey ops and the analytics team. They're like hand in glove. And there's a lot of there are a lot of opinions, and all the opinions are heard. There's no power vacuum. So they've told me yesterday that they've had literally hundreds of mock drafts, uh, and certainly since the uh, certainly since the lists <laughs> and the protected lists have been in place, there's a ton of them. So it wouldn't surprise me to your point if they were to acquire some of these assets by way of expansion, and then try to leverage some of them going forward to be able to net some type of return for them as well. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I think you're spot on with that. What. Uh... What's the one name that you think uh, might be on this list that you were su- outside of goalies that you were surprised was on the list and think that it's almost a no-brainer that Seattle will take? There's so many. I mean, uh, one coming to mind would be Ovi, but I don't think that they're going to take Ovi. <laughs> so to, to, to kind of turn your, your question around, I don't think that they'd select their Ovi and perhaps Washington will, will uh, broker some type of a deal with them to not take Ovi, but... All that to say, I mean, any one of the Tampa guys, because Tampa's so stacked. Yeah. Imagine who are you going to get? Tyler Johnson, who plays junior hockey here and who grew up here in Washington State playing in the WHL as an undrafted guy, which is amazing, who played in Spokane. Or are you going to get Alex Kalorn out of Harvard, like my man Dominic Moore, I was just saying, <laughs> who's a big-time playoff performer? Or are you going to take Andre Palat, the Mr. Everything forward in that group that's a glue forward for them? I mean, it really is an embarrassment of riches for Tampa, so... I look at that, and any one of those three names jump out to me, but specifically Andre Palat, just based on his versatility or analysis Kalorn. All right, before we let you go, and say hi to Dom for us. We miss him. We was I will for sure. About a yeah. week ago, maybe two I weeks I just ago. bought him lunch, so I'm definitely going to tell him. <laughs> I see him outside stewing. He's probably doing a calculus uh, problem right now because he's <laughs> the, so brilliant. The three brothers kid. that went to Harvard met three <laughs> yeah. of them. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so does your gut tell you that Carey Price – will be a member of the Seattle Kraken, or do you think he stays in Montreal? Listen, I love what Fridge is doing. I love what Frankie Cerebali is doing. Everybody's digging deep. I spoke to two people close to the situation yesterday. Neither one of them confirmed a real significance of the injury or uh, any real magnitude of the injury. I'm not saying that that hasn't happened, but here's my thing. Isn't it a little bit odd that nobody mentioned Carey Price's injuries after they mentioned the injuries to Shea Weber? And you're now mentioning them a week later. I just think it's a little bit odd, the timing. I really think if Seattle does their due diligence and their medical team uh, see, see a pathway where Carey Price is either healthy or can return to health, I don't know how you can turn down the opportunity at, at having Carey Price. I just don't know how you can turn that down. And as I said, if they don't get Carey Price, how can you pass up on a Jonathan Quick? Yeah. I mean, you get two franchise goalies, and we know they're at different stages of their careers, Timmy. But listen, let's be real. If you can start off not chasing games and if you can complement either one of those guys with the Drieger, as an example, yeah. 
or Kapo Kakinen, the youngster out of Finland who played in, uh, in, in Minnesota alongside Cam Talbot, you're cooking with gas because you're not really chasing games off the hop. You're in a good situation. And just think of the marketing to all the jerseys. I got to tell you, this place is actually a buzz. These fans are nuts, as you see in their other sports, in a good way in terms of they're, they're just so excited to have an NHL team. We were at Pike Place Market shooting some stuff earlier today, and literally from 7 in the morning, Right. We had all these fans that were assembled there that are just pumped for the Kraken. So imagine bringing Carey Price back home. I know he's from BC, just north of here, but home in the sense that he played junior here and his wife's from here and they spent a lot of time here in the offseason. This is a unique opportunity, as Dom said, and a lot of people around the league are like, Weeksy, how could they not take Carey Price? I know some people, and you mentioned this earlier about the price tag, but as you know at the LCBO back home, you can't buy champagne with beer money. My friends say that all the time. <laughs> That's a great way to close it, my friend. You're right. A perfect face for the franchise. If they ever wanted one, you can't get much better than Carey Price as a player and as a human being. Thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate the time. And uh, I hope it wasn't Sabaro for lunch, okay? It wasn't. Thank you so much. And thanks to uh, all the NHL fans back home in Canada. We'll see you on Wednesday on the expansion draft. And also, hi to mom and dad, my buddy Tony, and everybody back home. Love awesome. you all. Uh, appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks. Be well. Anytime. There is uh, Kevin Weeks, NHL Network, uh, new of ESPN, and he will be on the uh, broadcast on Wednesday. Time for a break. We're not done with the hockey talk. Will the Kraken take Carey Price? Is Mark Bergevin playing chicken or gambling with the wrong dude? We will discuss with Habs insider Eric Engels next right here on Tim and Friends. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, Danny Shulman on the Toronto Blue Jays and the run they're making right now. All important series with the Boston Red Sox and Mark Spears in the NBA Finals. But we continue the conversation on whether or not it's worth the price. So we go to a man who knows the Montreal Canadiens as well as anyone on planet Earth. Eric Angles joining me from his home in Montreal. Eric, what's first off, let me say this. <laughs> Eric and I talked earlier on the phone and we were talking a little golf. I gave him the trivia question that I threw out there as an answer earlier today, and he got six of the seven who had uh, previously won two majors before 25, before Colin Marikawa. So let me give you this in retrospect. Uh, I didn't know you were the golf dude, but I knew you. I know you like to play. I didn't know you knew it like that, though. I love golf. It's my dream to cover the Masters one day, so hopefully we'll get there. Write that down. Cover the masters. Can I bosses. We'll send an email. See if we can't get something done. Are the? Let me just hit hit this quickly. Are the Seattle Kraken going to select Carey Price? Oh my gosh! You should have seen me at the golf course this weekend, and how many people came up to me and asked me that. <laughs> um, you know what? The Seattle Kraken want the Montreal Canadiens and everyone else to think they're going to. You know, it's the only leverage that Ron Francis would maintain to be able to extract something from the Canadians to have them uh, steer clear of Carey Price. But I think it's a huge risk, and I, I don't believe they're going to. And, and it was a big risk before the injury stuff came out over the weekend. Um, obviously, they were excited about it. They they didn't believe that they would have a crack at Carey Price, and lo and behold, he's made available, and it starts to become a very serious discussion based on sources that I spoke with that they were going to likely take him. But... You know, they, they have to assess his injury history in that, the contract that he comes with for another five years, the money they have to pay out, and to have all that hanging overhead on top of the fact that they might not be able to use him 
in the first year they'd have him and they won't have clarity on that situation before they make their pick unless something changes the next few minutes or hours or the next you know 48 hours I just think it's too much risk for Seattle to take on based on the conversations I'm having and I, I do believe they want to keep it alive and and keep that leverage alive for Ron Francis to to kind of poke at Mark Bergevin and say hey you better give me something or I'm going to take him but I just think at this point that ship might have sailed. So a lot of Habs fans were trying to like draw connections and dots from Carey Price and his wife and where he played junior hockey. Kevin Weeks was just on and making the same comparisons. I mean, he had to waive his no movement clause for this to happen. Um, Price is in on this, right? Like he does he want to stay in Montreal? Where are we on the relationship between Bergevin and Price? Because he had to waive this no movement for it to even come close to happening. Well, I know everyone's made the connections you just mentioned, but Carey Price does want to stay in Montreal based on the people I'm talking to. And <clears throat> he made this decision with Bergevin because they wanted to protect Jake Allen. And if anyone understood the value of Jake Allen is the Canadians wouldn't have made the playoffs without Jake Allen. It was Carey Price who suffered several injuries throughout the season and didn't play his best hockey at times and is moving forward with questionable status in terms of his own injury situation now and he, he needs to know that there's a reliable player in there so that the Canadians can make the playoffs again and he can do what he does best when it matters most and I think Carey Price you know evaluated the situation with the team I think both parties felt that it was unlikely that Seattle would take him even though they knew it was a risk um, you know if it ends up coming to pass that Seattle has decides in the end that no matter regardless of his injury situation they're going to take him uh, you know, he'll live with that and the Canadians will have to live with it and, and that'll be the story. But I think, you know, based on every conversation I've had, he wants to be in Montreal and he made this decision because he really values the partnership that he built with Jake Allen, a guy who the entire season while he was playing well and there was questions about Price said, I'm here to support Carey Price. I'm here to help Carey Price, a guy who really embraced his role and played it to perfection. And so I think uh, it was a real team move by Carey Price, and and he's hoping to remain in Montreal. Wow. What what would Montreal do if if they took him, if, if Seattle took him? What would be the reaction from House Hands? It's going to be 50-50. Every situation in Montreal is polarizing, right? Especially one involving the superstar. This one, player. yeah. There's, team, there's people in the city that have been begging to get rid of this guy for years. He makes $10.5 million more than anybody else, and for another five years, and let's face it, Dan, like, no matter how well he played in the playoffs, and he was phenomenal. And going back to last year's book bubble, again, excellent. And he's always been great in the playoffs. He's had four pretty tough regular seasons, inconsistent throughout that time. And people are saying to themselves, this contract is going to get worse and worse by the day, which would be a natural course for a 34-year-old with five years left on a deal that pays him that much. So it could be tough for him moving forward in Montreal if he remains, especially with the injury situation having to battle back from that. And, you know, I just think some people will say, oh, well, you know, they, they lost him and they lost him for nothing, but it's not for nothing in this environment where the cap is going to remain stagnant at $81.5 million for about four seasons. And, you know, they, they're getting that valuable cap space that they could spend it elsewhere. There's another half that will say, you just lost a franchise goaltender for absolutely nothing. Our, our, my favorite player and, there's nothing you could say that would make me feel good about it. And I get both sides of it. Um, but soon enough or sooner or later, people move on and business changes. And that's 
the business of hockey. That's what it is. Okay, so that's Price. What about Weber? Well, you know, there was a lot of skepticism about the timing of the Weber announcement. But if anyone knows anything about Shea Weber and the type of integrity that he carries himself with, this isn't some ploy by the Canadians or by Weber to walk away now that 98 million of his 110 million have been paid on his contract, which has five years left on it. This guy has been playing through a multitude of injuries over the last three years. And the last one he suffered uh, is not getting a lot of attention here as people talk about his ankle and his foot. The thumb injury was supposed to require season-ending surgery. I believe what I was told at the time was that he had suffered torn tendons or ligaments in that thumb and that it would be a serious recovery from that injury. To see him play the way he did in the playoffs obviously didn't contribute as much offensively as he's capable of, but man, he was a monster and just laid it all on the line. And I thought in a series in the final where, you know, a lot of some of the Canadians really didn't have their best stuff. He was a leader and by far one of their better players. So it was really tough to see that scene at the end of game five. Uh, I think we understood at that time that it might've meant something more. I thought as much as it pains me to say, because I like to tease him more than I like to praise him. Elliot Friedman did a fantastic job kind of, uh, unspooling all of that that yeah. stuff about Weber and what, what the future will bring here. And I, I believe he will be granted the, the status of long-term IR and, and whoever he ends up with, if he remains with the Canadians, they'll be able to exceed the cap by his amount unless the rules change. So it, it's just one of those situations. The, the saddest thing about it, Tim, is that a player like Shea Weber with his legacy should have been able to go out on his own terms Agreed. and not be forced out by something like multitude of injuries. Agreed. So as I'm as I'm looking at this, we have 30 seconds left here. I'm just going to ask you a percentage amount that there's the possibility of this great reset in Montreal. I mean, no price, no Weber. You'd have to wonder about Deneau. Like, where where are we on? Like, could they lose all three of those guys? What's the percentage on that? I'm not, I wouldn't say it's 50-50. In Deneau's case, it might be 50-50. They're going to let him test the market and obviously see if there's a better offer out there than the one they made him in last September. And that risks losing him. Will he want to stay if Price and Weber are out the door? Uh, I don't know what will happen, but we won't have to wait too long to find out. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks, as always, for the information. My pleasure. And hit him straight. There is a... Eric Engels, after the break, a near-perfect weekend. Jays open up a huge series against the division-leading Red Sox. Their final series at Salem Field in Buffalo. Danny Schulman next as we pivot quickly from the Habs to the Jays here on Tim and Friends. Sheepdog song bounces. Mm. Back here, hour number two, Tim and Friends. Jesse's still bouncing. Here with you until 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 59 in the fan. But just another half an hour on Sportsnet. Why? Blue Jays Central Big Series. Jays and Red Sox. Dan Schulman popping by in mere moments from now as the Jays enter the season or enter the series riding high. Canada announced uh, their flag bearers for Friday's Olympic ceremonies earlier today. Women's basketball player Miranda Ayim is, and men's rugby semis player Nathan Hiriyama will carry the flag at the Tokyo Games. Ayim is participating in her third Olympics while Hiriyama is taking part in his first. Huge shout out to both of them 
on the honor. That would be a cool thing to do, I think. I'm no rocket surgeon, as you could tell by me trying to say all of that. However, that would be a cool honor. Our own Elliot Friedman is reporting that the Seattle Kraken are closing in on signing goalie Chris Drieger to a three-year deal with a $3.5 million average annual value uh, after they select him from the Panthers in Wednesday's upcoming expansion draft. Friedman adds that he does think that this precludes them from taking Carey Price. What a tough decision. Now, according to Frank Saravelli, after acquiring him from the Lightning on the weekend, the Rangers will, in fact, sign Barkley Goudreau to a six-year deal with an average annual value of $3.6 million or in the range once the moratorium has been lifted. The six-year term has lifted some eyebrows in the Twitter sphere for sure. Now, after Saturday's dramatic win in Phoenix, the Bucks are one win away from their first NBA title in 50 years. Game six goes tomorrow night on Sportsnet. The Bucks trying to rattle off four straight after losing the first two games of the series, something the Raptors did against the Bucks back in 2019, which Giannis mentioned today as a motivator. You know, I remember in the Isaac songs we were up 2-0 and lost four straight. You know, and um, I was trying, I'm trying to think what was the mindset of the other team. You know, leaving Milwaukee down 2-0, and now they're thinking they got to go back home, protect home court, and, you know, then come back here, get one. And they, you know, I'm just, you know, trying to think what they did, you know, and try to learn from, you know, our mistakes and our failures as much as possible. I don't focus in the past. I try to learn from it and move on. And I think uh, we, we've helped me throughout my career. You know, when we're down 2-0, they did it. Why cannot, we can, cannot do it. The Blue Jays are coming home. A few moments ago, um, I uh, signed off on a national interest exemption, which will bring the Jays home. And it feels pretty good. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Guerrero turns on one, hits it to deep left field and gone for his second home run of the game. He is something else. Robbie Ray just overpowering right now. Another terrific outing for the left-hander. To get on a nice little winning streak, you got to get the good pitching, and Ryu gave him that today. Oh, and Guriel trying to capitalize. A long way to left for a grand slam. Number 31 for Vladdy, and it is 7-0. tell you, he is unbelievable. As the Blue Jays sweep the doubleheader, the good times keep on rolling. What a weekend it was for the Jays. Near perfect, as a matter of fact. They outscored Texas 25-2 in the three-game sweep tonight. They welcomed the Red Sox to Buffalo for a three-game series. The Jays enter the series Six games back of Boston in the AL East. It will be Canadian Nick Pavetta on the mound for the Red Sox. He struggled against the Jays this year, sporting a nine ERA in two starts. While the Jays counter with Ross Stripling. He's allowed two earned runs or fewer in seven of his past nine starts. Here's the lineup against Pavetta tonight. And that top six kind of sort of taking shape here with Kevin Biggio now back at third base. And Reese McGuire 
behind the plate. Alec Manoa scheduled to start for the Jays tomorrow night, but Charlie Montoyo delivered uh, some news a short time ago on Manoa. Manoa uh, had a setback. Uh, it was raining the other day, and, and he slept in the stairs. So he's, he had a he has a bad contusion, so it's a, it's a chance that he might not pitch tomorrow. So it's a chance it could be K or Hatch uh, to to have to make that start tomorrow. It, it's soreness, yeah. It's not like yeah. So if he doesn't start tomorrow, we're hoping they just missed one start, you know. So we'll we'll go. I mean, we'll take it by you know day to day, but that's what it looks like. Charlie, in 2021, we're all day to day. We'll keep you up to date on the latest of Manoa and a heads up. Jays Care Foundation broadcast auction tonight as a part of the Jays game on Sportsnet. Ivanka Osmak hosts the 13th annual auction where you can bid for great prizes for a great cause. Visit jayscare.com slash auction for more info and watch along tonight. All right, time now to talk a little more Blue Jays with the man who will be calling the game tonight. He is, actually, he won't be calling the game tonight, but he is still joining us. It's Dan Schulman. Danny boy, thanks for doing this, even on a day off. I appreciate you doing this. I got to tell you, you just scared the hell out of me. I was like, man, I got to get down to the studio in a hurry. <laughs> I'm having a good uh, second hour of this show to start, Danny. I'll just tell you, I know you're prepping for the Olympics and calling uh, basketball men's and women's. Yes, uh, calling men's and women's. Um, uh, obviously, a great focus on our, our women's program, the Canadian women's program. They are terrific. They are experienced. Um, you know, all going well. They they play for a medal in a couple of weeks. So, and, and I think uh, looking more at the men's side in week two, once you get into quarter semis finals. So, uh, yeah, doing a lot of work right now, watching a lot of uh, FIBA games, a lot of YouTube videos, you know, finding old nice. games from national teams and getting familiar with the rosters. Uh, the, the women ranked fourth in the world, right? The women are ranked fourth in the world. Did not have a great finish at the America Cup a couple of weeks ago, but were without four players who will be with them uh, in Tokyo. Uh, yeah, ranked fourth in the world. Nice. Uh, they Their first game is against Serbia, ranked eighth in the world. Serbia just won the European Championship a couple of weeks ago. Also in the Canadian group, Spain ranked third in the world. So it's not going to be easy. But, you know, Canada definitely good enough to get into the quarterfinals. And then there's, as is always the case with FIBA, there's a little bit of luck. You know, you never know which way the ping pong balls are going to bounce and who you play in the quarters. But getting out of the quarters means at worst they would play for a bronze medal. So that's really, I think, the big goal for Canada. All right. Now that I'm tying the bow on me screwing up, let's get back to the Blue Jays. Uh, It seemed like almost a perfect weekend and now into a big series against the Red Sox. What jumped out at you the most about the weekend set against the Rangers? It's got to be the pitching. Like, I know the hitting gets the headlines and, the, you know, Vladdy hit three home runs in this series and they're hitting home runs and they're dancing and they're hugging and they're (laughs) celebrating. And this offense is really something right now. But I honestly think big picture, the more important thing is the pitching. And I know Texas is not a good team. But you know what? A lot of bad teams find a way to win a game or two against a lot of good teams. Robbie Ray's just been amazing, obviously, for going on uh, three months right now. Uh, a terrific performance by him. I thought Hyunjin Ryu looked terrific. Looked like, you know, the, the Hyunjin Ryu that we saw last year and early this year. And, and again, let's see what he looks like. The next time up, maybe the extra rest over the All-Star break helped him. And a very encouraging sign from Stephen Matz that he was able to go out there and throw five good innings, scoreless innings, um, and build back up in his uh, third start since coming off the COVID IL. So, uh, to me, it it was really the pitching that was probably the most important thing. And let me just say, Hyunjin Ryu's mustache, impressive as well. 
Yes, I, I actually <laughs> asked Twitter because I was like, I miss a lot. And I was yeah. like, have we seen the mustache in the stubble before or is that new? And, uh, you know, Twitter helped me out and pointed out that that it is new. And I'm kind of thinking it's like the, the baseball version of a, of a playoff beard right now in the NHL. Like if that thing is not there in four days, somebody's got to have a talk with Hyunjin Ryu. He's got to keep that all the way that he pitched last or uh, two nights ago. I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was saying off the top of this that that I feel like we're starting to feel a little bit of the same sort of magic from 2015. And we went and looked at the run differential. And I remember thinking back in 2015, the run differential suggested that the team might be a little bit better than the, say, 47 and 47 record that they were at exact same date as we are today. And the run differential was plus 89 in 2015. It's plus 95 right now. Is is this suggesting that this team might be a little better than the record indicates at 48 and 42? I don't think there's any question. Like, you don't want to get carried away too much with run differential, but I don't think there's any question they're better than a 48 and 42 team, and, and a few reasons. One is they're probably healthier now than they've been at any point this season. Obviously, Springer missed a big chunk of time. Teoscar Hernandez had COVID. He was out for a while. Lourdes Goriel was out for a while. Steven Matz had COVID. Uh, every pitcher on the staff except Tim, I think Tim Mays is the only pitcher on the staff who's been there the whole year. You put Springer in the middle of the lineup, this is a, a potent offense. They've also had a tough schedule. Now, not crazy tough like it was before they started playing Baltimore, but still tough. They still have one of the easier schedules uh, down the stretch. And I think, I, I believe in a little bit of a boost or an adrenaline rush or momentum, whatever, from coming home. I, I think yeah. it means a lot to them to come home. Uh, and I think knowing that they've gotten Simber and they've gotten Richards and Barucki has come back, you know, the bullpen is better now than it was a few weeks ago. It can probably get better still. I think they still need to go out and get at least one more you know, really, really solid reliever. Uh, but yes, they are better than their record. I think they can compete with anybody in the American League. And we're going to find out over the next three days whether yeah. that's true or not when they get a chance to play the Red Sox. How are the Red Sox coming in? Uh, not great. Lost two out of three to the Yankees. And the Yankees are really beat up right now and not playing great. So, uh, and the Blue Jays, I, uh, I'm i not on the series, as, as we mm -hmm. eventually determined a little bit earlier. So I <laughs> haven't put as much into the pitching matchups. But the, the Red Sox can hit. You know that. My dog just came in the room. So oh, hang nice. on for a second. Oh, what's what's your dog's wet. name? She's Sunday, like a chocolate Sunday. She is soaking wet. Oh, soaking perfect. Wet. Nothing like it's a wet a dog running in the room. T Tim's okay yeah, with it. It's oh, fine. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, the Red Sox can hit. We know that the starting pitching has been OK. Like if you're the Blue Jays and you think you are good enough to win this division, you got to take two out of three. Uh, Pavetta, uh, as you mentioned, has not done great against the Blue Jays. Garrett Richards has not done great overall. Uh, and Tanner Houck's a young pitcher they're excited about. But, um, you know, the Blue Jays should be able to compete in terms of the starting pitcher matchups. I think their bullpen is as good and I think their offense is better right now so listen it can go either way they could be three out or nine out or five or seven uh, at the end of this series but you got to find a way to win two out of three if you're the players you want to force the front office's hand and compel them to make a deal or two by the end of the month see danny shulman handled that way better than that bbc analyst whose family came into the studio and uh he had to usher them all out you just just pet the dog and it all ends well, I don't know if you heard my two-year-old. The two-year-old yeah. came in, too, yeah. and then 
mom mom kind of like and mom <laughs> took him out and the year old is shrieking he's right. not happy this is where the action is he wants to be in on the action so but yeah it's all good <laughs> i had my eight-year-old just walk into set a couple of times when we were in the basement like she just walked in she didn't care yeah well, next time I'll tell my wife, like, just let him come in. Like, you're, you're yeah. not going to care. Like, like yeah, no, it, him sitting on my lap is better than him shrieking. So, and he's much more interesting than I am. So, why not? Uh, I, I, well, I, I haven't met him, but I, I disagree. I, I appreciate the information that you bring. We just saw Springer wearing a Vladdy T-shirt in batting practice. And I, I was looking at this lineup and looking at the run differential. And Springer hasn't even, like, he hasn't hit what is historically his form. I mean, we're starting to see flashes in the last little while. But if he starts hitting, like, this lineup is as good, if not better, than everyone else. As good, if not better, than anyone else's. Now, yeah. that having been said, there will be a time in August, September, or possibly October, when you're going to find yourself up against good pitching and you're in a two-to-one game and you got to figure out another way to win. And that right. might be with defense. It might be with bullpen. But I agree with you. I thought the swings the last couple of days were the best swings that we've seen. Uh, from Springer so far this year. And and I don't really care if Springer hits first, fourth, or fifth, or Teoscar or Simeon. I'm, I don't get too caught up in that. And and I don't think Charlie's in any rush to to change the lineup. And I, and I don't think he should. As Charlie said, it's working pretty well right now. So, you know, why would you take Simeon out of the leadoff spot when he's had an all-star season so far? He deserves to stay up there. You know, the other guy who looks like he's really getting going is Bo Bichette. Like, and Bo said a few times this year, he hasn't felt quite right. He's looked really, really good the last couple of weeks so uh the lineup is great and i love like i'm a sap for this kind of stuff springer wearing a vladdy t-shirt Bo bear hugging vladdy after gritchick homered you know teoscar and guriel and vladdy down at the end of the dugout like for crying out loud somebody got danny jansen i can't remember who it was to dance in the dugout after he hit his home run uh, uh yesterday in the yeah. first game <laughs> of the double header you know it you'd, you'd rather have a good team that's not so fun than a bad team that is fun but right now, I think Blue Jay fans have the best of both worlds. These guys love each other, and they're entertaining. They know how to have a good time, but not at the expense of getting serious when it matters. And, and I hope the people at home like when we take the shots of the dugout and see the guys horsing around. I, I think it's good TV, and I, I think you know, it endears people to this team. This is a really easy team to root for. As you were saying that, we saw Bo Bichette in supporting, uh, showing his support for Cuba right now. And th that just that kind of the circle within that group of taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, that's real. And you've been around the game long enough where you go into clubhouses where you know. And listen, winning masks a lot of things. There are a lot of teams that were really good and hated each other. But that actual bond with a team can help elevate a team going through adversity at times. Can it not? Like, do you see it the same way as I do where Absolutely. when you have actual friends on the team and guys that care about each other, when the bleep hits the fan, like, I don't know, having three different homes in one season, you can get right. through that easier. Absolutely. There's yeah. no question the adversity has brought them closer together, but there's no question that just some of the personalities they have on this team are conducive to the team being close. Even if you had never watched a Blue Jay game in your life, if you watched the All-Star game and saw Vladdy and how at ease with himself he is and how at ease with other people he is, 
and you, you know you can see what kind of a personality he's got and, and they've got other guys you know Biggio's much more serious Marcus Simeon as I always describe him he's the grown-up in the room right but but if Charlie were a teacher he'd say to Guriel and Teoscar and Vladdy okay you three can't sit together anymore you three are sitting <laughs> in the front row so I can keep an eye on you and make sure you're paying attention but it, it's I, I love it I love that they are at ease enough and comfortable enough to show their personalities uh, in the dugout and, and I'll give you an example Teoscar Hernandez having an all-star season and then he gets dropped from fourth to fifth. Charlie just flips him and Springer. Yeah. You know, right, right, wrong, indifferent, whatever. He just flips them. Didn't complain. Still got the big Tay Oscar smile on his face. Still doing well. Right field, left field, DH. It's all good. And now again, that's a that's a credit to Tay Oscar Hernandez's um, his personality and his character. But it also shows that how much these guys love each other. Teoscar's fine if Springer comes up one before. If Springer hits the home run and that wins the game and Teoscar never gets to the plate, that's fine. And I do think it's important over the long grind of a 162-game season through, as you said, three different homes, moving families around. A lot of these guys have young children. Yeah. And trust me, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we never hear about that they are having to deal with like regular people, like the rest of us. And, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for playing the way that they have played and continuing to play well, even when the bullpen was having the problems and all those tough losses were happening. They, It's going to be an interesting uh, next two and a half months. Uh, agreed. And uh, I was one of those children who had their desks moved. That's why I laughed. And that's probably why <laughs> I didn't know that you weren't calling the game later tonight. Dan Schulman will be watching like the rest of us. Uh, appreciate the time as always. And let the wet dog back in whenever you want. All right, Tim. Thanks. Yeah, I got to go find a towel quick. <laughs> All right, be well. There is uh, Danny Shulman toweling off the dog. That sounds gross, but I'll just keep moving. <laughs> More Jay's talk on the way. We'll check in with Buck and Pat before they call tonight's game and send it to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. By the way, kids, Jay's Care Foundation tonight. Look it up. Might be able to purchase something nice. We'll continue that conversation next, Tim and Chris. I mean, let's be honest, those who have them, we all have toweled off the dog once in a while. Uh, minutes away from sending you the Blue Jays Central ahead of uh, a series opener between the Jays and the Red Sox. Jays 4-5 and five against Boston this season, but have outscored the Red Sox 57-36. to 36. Take of that what you will. With more on tonight's game, let's send it over to the men who actually will call it. Back on the mic, it's Buck Martinez along with Pat Tabler. Gentlemen. Well, Tim, Nabuche certainly got off the great start in the second half, sweeping the Texas Rangers over the weekend, but now the price of poker goes up a little bit. The Boston Red Sox are in town, and, of course, they lead the division. Time for the Blue Jays to cut into that lead. You know, and if you want to talk about uh, every game is important or one game at a time, that kind of thing, I think it's very important right now for the Blue Jays to look at the next two weeks. You're going to play the Red Sox seven times out of the next ten games. And it's okay to say, you know, one game at a time, and we don't want to look at a series as one more important than the other. But I think this series against the Red Sox is important because they're facing the team who's in first place. You have to make a statement against them. And they're teams that are going in the opposite direction. In my mind, the Blue Jays are just coming off that outstanding series against the Texas Rangers when they scored 25 runs and swept them in three games against the Yankees. The Red Sox, not very good. They won game one but lost the next two. They only scored six runs in that series. And for the Red Sox, 
they've been struggling to score runs. They were three for 20 with runners in scoring position. Alex Cora said, we're just not hitting. We're swinging at pitches out of the strike zone. We're a little bit too anxious right now. They're, they're not hitting. Maybe the Blue Jays are going to be catching them at the right time to do some damage. They have to take five games over the next seven games against the Red Sox to get back into this, I think. Well, the real strength has been the Blue Jays starting pitching, and Ross Stripling has been on quite a roll. He'll open up the series tonight. Boston has really done a job shaking up their lineup, trying to get something going with their offense. Should be an interesting game tonight, Tim. Yes, it should be. It should be an interesting series. Uh, as mentioned earlier, we got more news, by the way, on the series coming up in a flash. But it's also the Jays Care Foundation broadcast auction tonight during the game. With more on that and the great prizes available, let's check in with Ivanka Osmak, who also might be my close twin today. Well, kind of, not really. We could be prom dates, Timmy, repping the Blue Jays Blue. Big night tonight for the Jays Care broadcast auction. Expectations are high every year of what the Jays Care folks are going to put together for packages and items, and this year certainly does not disappoint. There's always some really unique things that you can bid on or buy. Auction closes at 9.30. But if you're a little impatient and you want to just buy now, you can do so. There's something for everyone at every price point. There's something for baseball lovers, obviously, golfers, gamers, and if you're a fan of Getty Lee, yeah, we have him available to uh, autographed cutout from last year. Thanks for supporting Jay's Care, Getty Lee, and thank you for supporting Jay's Care. As always, it's the 13th annual. Every year is such a success. If you want to donate, you can do so now. BlueJays.com backslash auction. And this is really neat this year. For the first $5,000 in donations, it will be matched by TD. So thank you in advance to everyone's generosity. But some great items that I hope you bid on. We're going to be talking about them throughout Blue Jay Central and also through the game. Tim, back to you. Appreciate it, Ivanka, and you could do better with a prom date. Jayscare.com slash auction. Uh, plenty of great things available, as Ivanka said, and always. Uh, usually it's better when Ivanka's down at the Rogers Center and they yeah. have the big to-do and everyone can walk by and come through. Uh, hopefully we'll get back there next year, but jayscare.com slash auction, and you can have a look through the stuff. Blue Jays making a flurry of roster moves in the last couple minutes. Um Alec Manoa, we discussed the incident, kind of slipped on the stairs, hurt his back. He's on the 10-day IL, uh, retroactive to July 16th. Anthony Castro placed on the 10-day IL as well. Thomas Hatch and Jonathan Davis have both been recalled from AAA. So the Blue Jays making a couple moves in lieu of that Manoa injury. So that would suggest probably that Hatch goes in for Manoa yes. tomorrow. Yeah. Tough spot to go into against yeah. the division-leading Boston Red Sox, but that seems like the yeah. pencil in right now or it, maybe even pen it in. And it shouldn't change anything from what we were saying about Manoa earlier, that he should only miss one start. Um, yeah, and, the retroactive helps. Uh, yeah, retro okay. Quickly, I want to get to one thing. Um, someone alerted this to me on Twitter. Mark Bergevin, Wikipedia has been changed, altered. Mark Bergevin, former general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. So it looks like someone's not too happy with Carey Price being placed on the expansion draft list. Uh, either that or you get a completely different team next year. Uh, it's going to be crazy and fun to watch. All right, time now for Blue Jays Central coming your way on Sportsnet. Jamie Campbell, Joe Siddle back on the desk. 
ahead of the Jays and Red Sox. Meantime, we will continue on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590 The Fan with one of our favorites, Mark Spears, talking NBA Finals, Kyle Lowry's future, and more. Next, right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. The flip, the script has flipped in the NBA Finals, or the flip is script in the NBA Finals, whichever way you want to put it. After losing the first two games in Phoenix, Giannis and the Bucks have won three straight, and they'll try and close it out tomorrow night in Game 6 in Milwaukee. And you can see it live on Sportsnet starting at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. Here to discuss is a man that most folks who watch this show or have listened to it in many of its iterations know very well from ESPN's The Undefeated I present Mark Spears. Spearsy, what's going on my friend? How are you? Man, I'm in Milwaukee. I haven't had a bratwurst yet, but you know, <laughs> the night is young. I feel like, uh, and I think we brought this up earlier in our meeting, so I'm just stealing this probably from Thomas Dobby, who's the producer of the show. I feel like we were ripping on Milwaukee when Sid showed you the grade eight graduation picture that you proceeded to make Tim and Sid history on. <laughs> so. Yeah, Milwaukee may not be too happy about that. <laughs> uh, he's, you know, he, he got enough money now. He got about five people trying to make him look good at this moment. <laughs> All right, uh, hold on. Before we get into the finals, more viral. Your Jordan Carolina story or yeah. the Giannis quote about ego, pride, and humility? Because I, I found both enthralling. Jordan. <laughs> Always Jordan, man. For people who haven't seen it, please go on my Twitter on an undefeated account. Check out Hoop Stories, which is basically me telling stories from my 20-plus um, years of covering NBA. And if you think that you've heard every Jordan Petty story, well, I got another <laughs> one for you. So please check it out. And uh, actually, tomorrow... I got a new one about James Harden's uh, bodyguard getting into a tussle in a lounge in San Francisco. <laughs> All right, stay tuned for that. Uh, I, I Give the account because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, the Undefeated account so people can see it. Uh, uh, at the, the Undefeated. undefeated yeah. well, Theundefeated.com. Yeah. www.indefront.com. And on Twitter, at The Undefeated. You, uh, or at, uh, at Mark J. Spears. Mark, we to see. I need more followers. Tell them again. Mark with a C, uh, at yeah. Mark J. Spears on Twitter. All right, got it good and since you understood. I was saying earlier that I thought that Giannis's quote about ego, pride, and humility was among the better quotes that I have ever heard from an athlete in my time and yeah. speaks to the growth of this young man and maybe why he's still in Milwaukee chasing that chip that seems like it's very close to coming to fruition right now well i think a lot of people know him as a greek freak but to me i see him more as a nigerian um he is most of his family is uh was born in nigeria uh, his parents are from there his father is buried there and he's told me once that although you know he grew up in greece uh his household was very nigerian and i bet you what he said is is a take of a Nigerian proverb somewhere uh, that, that certainly sounds like something you would hear from your mom, not from a guy that's not even 30 years old yet. Right. Yeah. But, um, or a Greek uh, philosopher, yeah. one of the two, like he's got, he's got, he's got both influences if he wants them. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. He could, he could choose both, but yeah, no, certainly deep and, and 
one thing he's being is focused and humble on the task not being done. Yeah. I I would not be surprised if the Suns win tomorrow. I would not be surprised if we're heading back to Phoenix. These entire playoffs have been amazing from start to now. And to me, it, it, it has to have that bow, right? We need a game seven to wrap up this postseason. That to me, that would only be be correct. I know Milwaukee people wouldn't like that, but I feel like it's really hard, and, and, and man, tell me what you think. It's really hard to beat a team three times in a row, especially when you didn't blow them out in those losses. Yeah. So I, I like Phoenix's ability to be strong tomorrow. And Chris Paul, he had a great quote, too, where he's like, hey, Monty Williams told us that if at the beginning of the season somebody would have said, look, if, if you could be in a situation where you're, you're down 3-2 in a game six, would you take it? Or would you wait to see what happens? He said, we would have taken it. So, you know, I, I think they're confident in themselves and believe they can win two games in a row. So, like, don't feel bad for the Suns. This isn't over. This has been certainly a battle royal, and, and I expect it to be a tough game tomorrow as well. Chris Paul is, I mean, I think he's lived a good part of his career now in hot take television. Uh, he seems to be a topic du jour whenever he gets into a situation. And... Uh, this latest 2-0 lead has him landed in that hot take television. And, you know, some sometimes the truth is there. Sometimes it's blown up just to make a story out of something. Where is is Chris Paul in this finals versus the hot takery that's going on? And where does the truth lie on Chris Paul, his influence on the Suns team, and kind of what he needs to do to rewrite the narrative? Well, let's go straight to the truth. There's a guy that you didn't mention this entire sentence, Drew Holiday. Yeah. He's perhaps the greatest on-ball defender in the world right now. You saw what he did to Booker last game, basically snatched the life out of him and then threw down the alley-oop. Like, like Drew Holiday's like a backpack. He's taking <laughs> yeah. Chris, you know, full court, falling him around, white on rice, you know? and uh, Checking tonsils. I, I don't know that he could have, yeah. I don't know that there's a tougher defender that Chris could have faced. And so it's, it's, I think it's more Drew holiday and less Chris. Chris said today that he's healthy. He's fine. And he wasn't about to give Drew no props, but I think we need to start giving Drew props. And since Canada didn't make it to the, you know, the Olympics, y'all can root for Drew and uh, for team USA, man. He's going to be a tough <laughs> defender. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, I think they, uh, by the way, the other uh, best on ball. I wasn't trying to needle y'all, man. The, the, the other I'm best on ball defender might be out. Lou Dort, by the way, who I, is I'm still trying to figure out how y'all aren't in Olympics. I think there's just too much talent there not to be there. Uh, uh, don't, don't walk but this that's road not with why me. You yeah. Me don't walk this road with me. Like I still <laughs> This might be one of the like that road might be one of my most bitter roads. Like it, it should be. It frustrates me That's to too no much end talent. as someone. But there's also like I do think that we underrate European. Like as a, as someone, you you play college basketball. You no, play at San Jose I'm not State. giving you this excuse. Yeah, you guys we, have too much talent. No, but when you if 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 that <laughs> and talent been, and these guys been playing together. No, they have like they just met. No, they like haven't the been USA playing. Team. They haven't been playing together. That's that, oh. that's just like the USA team, and that's why the US lost to Nigeria so. oh, and Caleb Agata out of the University they of all Ottawa. From Toronto, though, aren't no, they? No, 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 no. They're from different like spots. One dude from Montreal, 
Like, what are you talking about? These guys are all from they, Toronto. They, and they go to school. They go to high school well in Toronto Las Vegas and Florida. And they go, like, they don't, they might have played AAU ball together in grade eight. And that's the last time that they've played together because they usually go to high school in the U.S. Except for still, Elijah still Fisher. Still too much talent, in my opinion. I, I agree with you to a certain extent. And then I think that there are European pros. And when they play together repeatedly, then they can even up the playing field, as you've seen with the United States team. Can't just throw guys together. There were no exhibition games for Canada. Zero. <laughs> I'm not going with this, man. Y'all got too much talent. It's a poor excuse. So, so what, these European teams been going to camp for three months, too? Yeah, except for... Who'd y'all lose to? Except for Thomas Sadoransky. Who? Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> How many jerseys did he sell? Yeah, I know. He, had, he doesn't even start. Did you watch Washington? the game, Spearsy? He plays for Washington, right? Yo, hold on. Like, I got to ask that question. Did you like, watch the game? Right who's the guy that you just showed with the dreads? I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's not from the Czech Republic, but he's from Illinois and played at, uh, I want to say Eastern, maybe Southern uh, Illinois. Was he a Saluki? Czech Republic, man. He was a Saluki. Anyway, that's not. I'm not going to. It's not acceptable. No, I expect more for Canada basketball. They're top level I, pros, right? Like no. no, Thomas Saransky. Satir- no, I mean European pros. Okay, he would. Would he even make you guys' team? Barely. No, nope. And they had no bigs, and that was the problem. Except for Dwight Powell, God rest his soul, because he was sitting there taking a beating <sighs> and trying to get it done. Is this? We were talking NBA Finals. Now all of a sudden we're talking Canada. I told you when you started this that you were scratching a scab, Mark Spears. I'm sorry, Bucks, Bucks, Suns. <laughs> Let's go. And we're not cheering for the United States. The rest uh, no, of the world cheers for the United States to get their ass handed to them. That's what That's the rest right. of the world does. Because you guys have all the talent in the world, and yet lost we got all the problems in the world too. And lost to two in a row. So I don't know how you give your team a pass on hey, that when you have all the talent all, all, all against a 49-year-old hey, Louis hey. Scola. All I know is those looks guys good, eat by the sushi way. right now. And if Dort wants some sushi, he better find some good restaurant in Toronto. <laughs> yes, I understand this. But how did you lose to those two teams? Because you hadn't played yeah, together. Hey, would you want to make a bet right now that they win gold? No, I, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I mean, hey, since they, that, they that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you I'm, don't no, have let's, exhibition let's, games, look, that, it, this is that what you I want struggle you no, out no, no, of no. the gate. No, no, no. No, we're, we're, having, an, we're having if an we, argument based on no we, exhibition if games. If USA wins a gold medal, I want you to go to Two Sisters Winery and give me their nicest bottle of wine. If USA doesn't win, I'm going to get you a bottle of wine from Frank, Frank Family Vineyards in Napa. I'm going to drive there and personally get it and pay that tremendous uh, postage to send it to you. We That's may, our bet. We may have some... Because uh, you don't believe in USA. You're not rooting for we, us. So let, let's make this bet. We we uh, we may have some compulsive gamblers <laughs> we, we lost, on. You guys are minus Nigeria, 400 so to win. You guys are 1-4 to four to win the gold medal. I said... I said, Spearsy, if you're listening here, Canada did not have any exhibition games Look, before their nice tournament. Line right here. They had, I'm get you, I'm they get had you three games lose, total. But I'm really, really confident. You guys got, had three games total, and you're one and two. Needs to be sending me some wine anyway, because I shot them out all the time. 
You're but not. You're dodging my bet. I feel like no. You guys are minus four hundred. That's a but stupid you just said bet. You, suck. you talk about with us. No, I told you you're one and two because you've had no exhibition well, games, and you're ripping Canada, who had I'm no exhibition games. I'm saying I expect more from Canada. That's not ripping. That means I believe in them. I'm, I'm trying to give I you more from them. I'm trying to give you legitimate I know reasons. I the viewers there that no Canadian basketball expected more from them. I expected more be, from them, but it's not that easy. They're supposed to be a power. They're not supposed to be home right now. Okay, it's not that easy, and the proof is in the pudding of the Americans losing their first two games out of the you game. You lost to the Czech Republic. <laughs> you you lost to Argentina and a and a 45 year old Luis Scola who looks good. But he's we lost still... to Argentina. They beat Argentina. Sorry, you beat Argentina. You lost to uh, Nigeria, and my boy Caleb Agata from the University of Ottawa dropping let's, seventeen oh, let's on them. Let's make the bet. Let's make the bet. <laughs> and Australia, let's who make are better? Bet. You're minus four hundred. Why would I make that bet? It's a sucker's because bet. Because you just said we lost to Nigeria. Oh we lost God. to Australia in exhibition. Oh my so God. you should. Based okay, on you, that. you want to give me four bottles to one? Yes. Ooh. All right, we're in. Done. I'll take that. That's fair. Eight to two. <laughs> eight to two. <laughs> I'll do that. Eight At least to two. I get two bottles yeah, out of it. I'm not making the suckers bet. I will make the bet. I'm not making the suckers bet. Done. I grew up in an area where you never make the suckers bet, Spearsy. I'm not walking that way. Hey, just you, you got these points on the, these exhibition games. You. Who uh, who wins the NBA title? Phoenix Suns. Spearsy, despite the fact that I am very upset right now, I still love you, my friend, because we can argue, we can go back and forth. We're always family. And still be family. We're still family. I should have thrown some of that Toronto popcorn in there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that Toronto popcorn is, is now it's famous. It's not cheap, either. You're going to take your ass over to Nigeria. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, not Nigeria, Niagara. Yeah. You give me my wide and sell it. Same thing. If you uh, want to go across the border and mail it cheaper, no, no, States, we'll, we'll mail it. We'll too. mail it from here. We'll put the money in Canada. Keep it in Canada. Two sisters. If the United States wins, oh gold boy, gold. if they somehow lose this thing, you're gonna be buzzing me. Eight to you, two. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, buddy. Be well. Always great catching up with you, and we look forward to another viral video basketball stories at the undefeated. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Love you, brother. All right, Can't Mark. wait to drink that wine. <laughs> There's Mark Spears. Uh, just chirping. Chirping. All right, time for one last break. We're late to it because of the chirping. We'll get some F1, Canada's bad luck at the Gold Cup, uh, plus a special tip of the cap. Did you understand the point that I was making, Jesse? Yeah. That be- uh, he didn't, though. No, I don't think he cared. Didn't, didn't lend to his argument. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Monday's tip of the cap goes to Nashville prospect and Calgary hitman defenseman Luke Prokop, who announced to the hockey world today that he was gay, and it qualified as news only because he's the first active player under an NHL contract to make that decision, and he's happy he did, saying it has been, quote, quite the journey to get to this point in my life, but I could not be happier with my decision to come out. From a young age, I have dreamed of being an NHL player, and I believe that living my authentic life will allow me to bring my whole self to the rink and improve my chances of fulfilling my dreams. And that right there 
is the point. People free to chase their dreams as they are, who they are, and not what someone else thinks they should be. So for those in 2021 who love to yell and scream about what other people are doing, saying, who cares, this isn't news, move on. That's the point, my friends. That's the point that we get to a point where nobody cares, but we're not there yet. No NHL player, active or retired, had come out publicly. This is another amazing step forward, and the fact that Luke felt comfortable doing that at 19 and his team fully supported him means that we are getting closer and closer to that point. You can listen to a full interview with Luke on the latest 31 Thoughts, the podcast, wherever you get your fine podcast. Time for Last Call and Jesse Rubinoff. Jesse. We begin with Formula One. Whoa. You know I like my Formula this One. This side of the room is very happy, Sebastian. You know Moran, I like my Jesse, Formula yeah. One. Lewis Hamilton won his eighth, eighth British Grand Prix of his career yesterday, but it was not without some drama. Hamilton was accused of dirty driving dirty by driving. Red Bull Racing's team principal after Hamilton collided with series leader Max Verstappen on the first lap. Verstappen's day would be done while Hamilton raced back from a 10-second penalty to top the podium again. Hamilton now just eight points back of Verstappen for the championship lead. Is this rivalry good for Formula One? Are you any more interested in Formula One because of what transpired yesterday? I enjoy this. And I enjoy racing. Now, I know how dangerous it can be. And the high and mighty F1 isn't used to rubbing and racing because rubbing is racing in a lot of parts of the world. But at that level, it can be very dangerous. So I understand a tiny bit why Verstappen and his team were upset. But the rest of the world, that's just racing. And I felt like if these two go toe-to-toe, it doesn't always have to be a little rub. But he's also, like, that's part of racing is holding your spot, is it not? Mm -hmm. Like, it can be dangerous, and that's why people don't like to see it all the time, but that's part of racing, is it not? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Just the speed at which... Yeah, the speed at which these Formula One cars go. Uh, We've seen, seen so many disasters over the years. Cars are safer now, but Verstappen hit the wall going at 51 Gs. The average human passes out at 10 Gs. So you can imagine what that force was like. Now, luckily, Verstappen's okay, but now the two top racers in Formula One, it's suddenly personal. And before it was cordial, and now it's now it's definitely personal. Yeah, and I the, the part of this that I like the most is that it's not a predetermined result every time you turn on an F1 race. Yeah. And for a while, Lewis Hamilton was that good. Yeah. His team was that good. You just, all right, he's winning. And it's not like that this year. No going to be a battle of the finish between Lewis and Max. Uh, let's go to soccer. Gold Cup rolling on, and it was Canada and the USA oh, Sunday for again. first Someone's place. Get me fired up again. Group B. Here we go again. Should we get uh, Spears back on the horn here? Oh, it was the God, Americans yeah. coming out on top in this match, scoring just 20 seconds in while holding on for a 1-0 win to secure top spot in the group. It was Canada's first loss since January of 2020. Canada will face Jamaica or Costa Rica in the quarterfinals, so should they dwell on the loss to their rivals, or is not. this just a little hiccup? Of course not, but this is the truth. If you give up a goal 20 seconds in, you're going to chase the match. Canada deserved way better. 
They were the better team for the vast majority of that match. Talk to anyone who watched it. They say this. Every American was surprised at how well Canada played for the rest of that match. But you put yourself behind the eight ball when you concede 20 seconds in. There was a terrible, terrible call in that should have been a penalty and it only wasn't because the American left the game with an injury. I have no idea how, uh, I believe it was Richie Larea who was taken down yep. in the box and I have no idea how that wasn't a penalty, but for the first time ever, for the first time in a long time, I'll say this, Canada has higher hopes than this. Don't dwell on a final group match at the... I even think Canada has... Canada's aiming for bigger things than the Gold Cup. And I don't think that I've ever said something like that. They're still alive in World Cup qualifying. These are steps along the way. The U.S. was probably missing more of their best 11 than Canada was. But Canada was... The depth there was toe-to-toe with the United States of America. And that's something to build on and you're trying to get higher than just a group match at the Gold Cup. That's pretty crazy to hear you say that the talent is now on par. It just it seems like Canada has come a long way here now and Yeah, I don't know about best 11, but it's pretty damn close. I'll yeah. tell you that much. If you put best 11 best 11, but even the de- like it used to be the United States had way more depth. Now they didn't call a lot of Europeans in for this. It was all MLS players if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Canada had one from outside the MLS, I think. The U.S. had one from outside the MLS. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. And that's the difference is the depth of talent to to call upon. No doubt. Okay, let's go to baseball. More silliness from fans over the weekend. A fan in New York watching Saturday's Yankees-Red Sox game threw a ball at Boston outfielder Alex Verdugo after Verdugo threw a ball to fans in between innings. I think they were obviously for different purposes, though. Security cameras and eyewitnesses caught the fan, and he was ejected. Now, he's been given a lifetime ban to every major league park in the league. So does the punishment <laughs> every every fit major the league park. Have you let me ask you this cuz I hear this every time uh, someone does something really stupid at a game. Have you ever shown your ID to get into a game? No, I I always wonder this. Like how would they ever know? How would they ever inf- you can't buy season's tickets. That's probably it. But your friend could buy the season tickets for you and you could give them cash. Yeah, I have no I hear this every time and it bothers the bleep out of me cuz someone was like, "Well, that guy's banned. We have taken care of that idiot." No, you haven't. No one shows ID going into a game. I I don't understand it. Like, if you you just go to a scalper outside of the stadium. Just get someone else to buy the tickets for you. And just walk in. The points aren't that much. Who cares? So so how do they enforce it? Like, I honestly don't know. What's the answer to this? There is no answer. You don't enforce it. So it's strictly just for... You can't buy... It's it's, it's just for headlines. It's just to say we gave a... It's optics. It is 2021. It is optics. It is grandstanding. I, I can guarantee you right now that that person will go to another Major League Baseball game in their life. But he could probably go to Yankee Stadium tomorrow. Tomorrow! And get in. (laughs) You've never shown your ID to get into a game. No, no. We're going to see Verdugo taking on the Jays. Uh, Jays, Red Sox coming up in mere moments from now. That does it for us. A reminder, Sportsnet is the place you can see that Jays-Red Sox series. Starting tonight, Lid Lifter. Coming up next on Sportsnet 590, the fan as well. Have a great night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. He's going tomorrow. (laughs) 